some beautiful places. Some of you went down to the beach. Others of you went up to the mountains. Some of you may have even gone out west and seen some of the beautiful places that God has made out there. But the most beautiful place that God ever made was this garden that Isaac just read about. This garden that he planted in Eden long ago. It was made especially for humans, for you and I, for God's precious creation, for those of us, men, women, and children who have been made in His image. And what I think is incredible is that the beauty of the garden, which you can read about in Genesis chapter 2 where it's described, the beauty of the garden, the natural beauty, wasn't even the best part. The best part of the Garden of Eden was the bond that Adam and Eve, the very first two human beings, shared with God. It was their relationship with God that was the very best part of living in the Garden of Eden. You see there, they could see God. And what what was that like? Can you imagine being able to see God? They could speak to God. They could just enjoy being with God. We're even told in Genesis chapter 3 that They would go on walks with God. Because God was there, in their midst, in the garden, everything was wonderful. Everything was perfect. Everything was as good as it gets. When is life for you as good as it gets? Maybe you can think of a lot of different places or experiences or people. But for most of us, maybe all of us, life is as good as it gets when there's laughter when there's play, when there's fun and warmth and love and people that you love, that was the garden. That was the Garden of Eden. This idyllic, perfect place that God made for His people. Nothing bad ever happened there. And no one was ever sad there. But then one day, the people, they did a terrible thing. They decided, Adam and Eve, the very first two humans, they decided that they didn't want to follow God anymore. You see, He gave them just one rule when He put them in this place. He said, you can eat of any tree that you want to that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And He gave them abundance, an abundance of trees that produced delicious fruit that they could choose. But He said, there's one I want you to stay away from. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Look at all these that I have made for you. Go and enjoy those. But this one, you do not need to touch. For on the day that you touch it, you will die. And wouldn't you know that that is the very tree that they were drawn to that was appealing to them. And one day, Satan in the form of a serpent slithered into the garden and he tempted Adam and Eve And they looked at the tree and they saw that it was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that you would want it if you wanted to become wise. And they took that fruit off the tree and they took a bite and everything changed. Everything was ruined. They wanted to live in a world without God in charge. They wanted to be in charge. They wanted to be the rulers of their own lives. And so they did the very thing that God told them not to do. They were disobedient to God. And God calls this sin. 
It's just a little three-letter word, but a big, terrible idea, a big, terrible reality that we still have to deal with today. After Adam and Eve sinned, they tried to hide from God. Can you hide from God, boys and girls? No, you can't hide from God. Even the youngest among us know that. And Adam and Eve knew that. And yet, they were ashamed. And they were embarrassed. And so when they heard God walking in the cool of the day through the garden, when they heard Him, instead of running toward God, they ran away from God. And they tried to hide from God. It's a sad, tragic scene. And God asks a question. He says, where are you? Did God need help locating Adam and Eve, boys and girls? He knew where they were, right? He knows where we are every moment of every day. He didn't need help from them to know where they were. He wasn't asking for His sake. He was asking for their sake. And He wasn't asking about their physical location. He was asking about their spiritual state. Adam, where are you? Eve. Where are you? And the answer, not in a good place. Not in a good place at all. Because of their sin. Sin ruined everything for them. And it ruins everything for us too. Sin has no place in God's garden. Because God is too perfect and He's too holy. And sin cannot be in the presence of God. So you know what God did? God sent Adam and Eve out. Of the garden. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 3. And to show that they had to stay outside, God placed some warrior angels, what the Bible calls cherubim, in front of the garden. I think I've got a picture of them up here from this very book. They were like a big keep out sign. They were God's way of saying, because of your sin, you can't come in. Because of your sin, you can't come in. What a tragedy. How devastating. This beautiful bond that they shared with God in this beautiful place, ruined, broken by sin. And now, things are sometimes bad. And people are sometimes sad. Is there any way that this can be undone? How can this be fixed? As I mentioned, Adam and Eve's sin, their decision to rebel against God, it didn't just affect them. And it didn't just affect their children and their children's children. It affects us all. Sin came into the world because of them. But make no mistake, it stays in the world because of us. Because in this day and age, all these years later, we still don't want to follow God. We still want to do what we shouldn't do and say what we shouldn't say. We still want a world without God in charge. And so it's still true that because of your sin, because of my sin, because of our sin, we can't come in to God's wonderful place. Many generations after Adam and Eve, as you read in the Scriptures, God told His people to build a special building where he could live. A building called the temple. He actually told the second or, or third king, rather, the son of David, King Solomon, build my temple. 
And in the middle of the temple was a wonderful place. It was the place where God was. Where His presence dwelled in a very special way. This place was called the Most Holy Place. And in that place, there was nothing bad. There was nothing sad. That's good news, right? That God decided to make another place where He could live. It's good news. Except, God told people to put a big curtain around that place. And only a special person could get in there. Only the high priest could enter. And only he could get in once a year. And did you know that the curtain around that special place that we call the most holy place, it had pictures of warrior angels on it. The same warrior angels that stood at the entrance of the garden to turn all people away. Once again, it was like a big keep out sign. For hundreds of years, the temple curtain, the curtain that surrounded the most holy place in this special building, reminded people what God says. Yes, it is wonderful to live with me, to dwell in relationship with me, but because of your sin, you can't come in. His presence was right there, right behind the curtain, here on earth, but it was just out of reach for everyone because of sin. Babies became grown-ups and had babies. And those babies became grown-ups and had babies. And those babies became grown-ups and had babies and hundreds of summers and winters passed by. And the keep-out curtain, that big curtain separating everyone else from the most holy place, it stayed in the temple. But then one day, another baby was born. And this was no ordinary baby. And he would grow to be no ordinary man. I think you already know who I'm talking about. His name, I heard it from right down here. His name was Jesus. And he was God's son. I mentioned that a special child was born. And he began, became a special man. And he came into this world at just the right time according to God's perfect timetable. His name was Jesus. And I want to tell you a little bit about Jesus. Unlike us, unlike you and me, Jesus always did what was right. Unlike you and me, Jesus never sinned. According to the book of Hebrews in our New Testaments, chapter 4, verse 15, He was tempted as we are, yet without sin. He struggled with all the same stuff that we struggle with, and yet He never, not even once, gave in. He was perfect. And unlike us, Jesus visited this temple that we were talking about. Not the original temple, it was the second temple that was built on the same site. But it was built according to the same specifications and it still had that keep out curtain with those angels warning everyone not to come in he went to the temple jesus knew that things in this world were sometimes bad and he knew that people were sometimes sad and he experienced this just like we do 
He became just like us. But Jesus said when He was on this earth during His ministry that God sent Him to bring people back to God's wonderful place. To usher them back into God's beautiful presence. To form a relationship between humanity and God once again. Where nothing bad will ever happen and no one will be sad. At least on the other side of eternity. Jesus came and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, come to the Father through me. But do you know what happened to Jesus? People still didn't want God to be in charge. People still didn't want God to have His way with them. So do you know what they did to Jesus? They put Him on a cross. Which was a way that they killed people. It was a way that they killed criminals in those days. And not just criminals, the very worst criminals. And they did that to the Son of God. To God in the flesh. They took Jesus and they stripped off His clothes. And they drove nails through His hands and His feet into this piece of coarse wood. And they propped Him up. And they let him die. They put him to death. The very worst kind of death imaginable. The most cruel form of execution that mankind has ever come up with. And the day that they hung Jesus on the cross, the day that they killed him, they executed, crucified him, it was the most bad thing ever. And it was the most sad day ever. And yet, what's amazing about the cross is that it was all part of God's master plan. Uh, That's strange, I know. What kind of master plan includes God Himself, God's Son, being killed, executed? But on the cross, we are told in the Scriptures that at that moment when Jesus died, He took our sin, all the bad things that we do, All the bad thoughts that we have, all the bad words that we say, and all the sad things that they cause. He took it with Him and He nailed all of those sins to that cross. And He put those things to death. He killed our sin. Every last sinful act and word. All of it. And when He did... When He was up on that cross dying for you and for me, sacrificed for our sake, the moment that He drew His final breath, something amazing, something astonishing, something astounding happened. Down the hill a bit into Jerusalem, up on the temple mount, inside the temple, at the moment when Jesus died, the temple curtain tore in two. From top to bottom. You can read about it in the Gospels. In that moment, when Jesus took all our sins to the cross, God ripped up the keep out sign once and for all. And His wonderful place became open to us again. Because Jesus died and took away our sin, we can now go in. And after Jesus died, He was buried, and His followers were very sad. But then on the third day, they went to visit the grave and He wasn't there because He had risen. He had come back to life. He came back to life 
to live in God's wonderful place forever, and He invites all of us to live with Him there too. We can enter into a relationship with God right now, and this relationship will carry us through all eternity. On the other side of this life, we get to dwell in a beautiful place with God forever. And it's all because of Jesus. Jesus tells us, God says it's wonderful to live with Him. But because of your sin, you couldn't go in. There was nothing you could do to rid yourself of this sinful stain. But because I took care of your sin, Jesus says, you can now come in to the place where nothing's bad and no one's sad. To the place where it will be as good as it gets. Everything that you love and enjoy about this life, it will be amplified, it will be magnified in the life to come. Life forever with God. A place where you can enjoy seeing God, speaking to God, just being with God. Just as He intended from the very beginning. And that, my friends, my brothers and sisters, my family, my neighbors, that is the good news that we gather every week to declare to one another and to celebrate. And we say, thank you, Jesus. Because Jesus makes it all possible. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for coming back to life and giving me hope of new life. Thank you, Jesus, for undoing the curse of sin that has been with us ever since Adam and Eve ate that fruit that was forbidden. Thank you, Jesus, for making things right. Thank you that your cross was the bridge back to a perfect relationship with God. Thank you, Jesus. And our hope and our prayer is that these words, thank you, Jesus, will be in your heart, that they will be on your lips, throughout the rest of this school year, throughout the rest of your lives. After every sermon here, we offer what we call an invitation. We invite anyone who wants to make Jesus the Lord of their life to come so that they can enter into a relationship with God through Him. And so this morning, just as we do every week, we invite those who want salvation through Christ to come and to confess His name, to repent of their sins, and to be baptized so that they can have their sins washed away and come up a new creature. This is also a time for anyone with any spiritual need to come and ask for prayers. Why don't you do that right now as we stand and sing?